Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hey, listeners, welcome to another Get Genius Podcast. Um, I'm really curious to know how many of you are still utilizing offline marketing. And what I mean by that is sending out mailers. Um, doing some radio, um, maybe you're doing some infomercials or some type of marketing that doesn't require technology or social media. At the same time, I wonder how many of you realize how a lot of those concepts from maybe 40 years ago on marketing and advertising are actually being used today with social media and technology and other forms of online marketing with emails. Uh, Today's conversation with Brian Kurtz is going to be all about direct response marketing and we really get to dive into some of those concepts that were used so many years ago by the legends of marketing and advertising and how they're being implemented today into online marketing. Brian Kurtz was the vice president of Boardroom Inc. and he helped grow that company which was a direct marketing company from about three million dollars when he started to more than a hundred million, more like a hundred and sixty million dollars over the course of, of his I want to say 30, 25 years there, and I think 35 years uh, his career. Um, we clarify that in the in the interview, but he's he's worked with some of the absolute top legends in the world when it comes to marketing and copywriting, and he he's just got so much wisdom. He's one of those guys that every time he just starts to speak, I'm like a dog with with the alert ears because I have to hear what he's going to say because he just pulls so much genius that you know exists and has existed for for years and he pulls that into today and how we can still use that and and the correct ways of using that and and we talk about you know tips with copywriting um, that are really really simple but just like golden, how to find a right, the, the right copywriter for you, what kind of questions to ask. And there's so many like golden nuggets that you can pull and implement. Um, one of them, keep on the lookout, is RFM. And it's a great acronym and you'll find out what it means and it's, it's awesome and you should be using it. Um, we're going to talk about his book where I know the interview is not going to be long enough because he, he has just so, so much stuff that we could learn from. But um, the short way of getting it all is with his book called The Advertising Solution. And we'll have links to all of this in the show notes and in, in the blog post as always. Um, but just one of those books that takes all of this genius from all of these legends and um, he puts it together, his co-author is Craig Simpson, and they put this um, book together that's really a fast read and so engaging, um, and it's just brilliant, like what was done then and how we can do it now, and you're going to love the correlation. So um, listen, enjoy it, and um, I'm super honored to have Brian on the show. Hey, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Uh, great to be here, Summer. Uh, I just was when I just found out that you've been doing this for so long, and I finally got on. I said I probably should have been checking my email because I assume you've been inviting me all along. So I'm really excited to be here. I was wondering what I did wrong last time I saw yeah. you. But... <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm all here. And I am so so stoked to be talking to you, and really for our listeners to get to hear an absolute genius of of a marketer. And I I'm always just like so fascinated by everything that you talk about, all of your emails, all that you have done. And so this is like such a treat for, okay. for our listeners and for me. Thank you. So I talked a little about, bit about you in the intro and, you know, you ran Boardroom Inc. and you were essentially responsible for taking that company to a high of $160 million. And now you're, you've got a company called Titans Marketing that you founded and it's an educational 
consulting business that teaches direct response marketing, which is what we're going to like super dive into today. I want to mm-hmm. know just before we, we get into all these questions I have for you, when did you first fall in love with direct marketing? That's a great question. You know, I, you know, we don't, interestingly, when I was in college, which was, you know, a long time ago, even though I look so young, thank goodness for the video. Um, you do but, get you know, better I looking, I will say, every year I see oh, you. <laughs> thank you. Um, so, you know, I got into the business in 1981. So out of college, you know, I, I, I was a business minor, English major, you know, learned how to read and write in college. But I, the thing that was interesting is that all the marketing books in you know, that you could find back in, you know, in the late seventies were, you know, there was all general advertising. It was, you know, nothing about direct marketing, direct marketing wasn't taught. And when I say direct marketing now, let's differentiate. Cause a lot of these, a lot of your listeners are probably thinking, Oh, direct marketing, that's direct mail. It's not right. Direct marketing is any kind of marketing that that's that elicits a response, a measurable response so that you can read whether you're getting a return on investment on the advertising that you do for whatever product or service that you're selling. So when I was, you know, when I was, when I was a young lad, you know, studying whatever marketing I could find in college, because I liked business in addition to reading and, and being an English major, there was nothing. I didn't know what the hell direct marketing was. So when I got, you know, my second job out of college at boardroom in 1981, um, people were talking about this company that was selling subscriptions and books and that we were doing mailing lists and direct mail and all this stuff. And I'm like, what is this? You know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know anything, but when you, I think your question was, you know, how did, when did I fall in love with it? I'm going to say almost immediately. And the reason I fell in love with it, it's sort of like, I guess anybody who's listening, who's needy of, of, you know, either pats on the back, feedback, Knowing, hey, how am I doing? Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Direct marketing's for you. I mean, because you know, growing up in a world of general advertising where you don't know whether the advertising worked or it didn't, is you know, not was not a world for me. And I think if I had fallen into like a job at an ad agency, for example, I have a feeling I wouldn't have fallen in love with it. You know, yeah. I would have said this is like. And in fact, my 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 wife, who I was at the time I was dating was working in a general advertising agency and I just didn't get it. It was like, you know, she worked on the IBM account and they're doing these magazine ads and they're doing these TV ads with no call to action, no response device. And I'm thinking to myself, who's, who's approving the budget for this stuff, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and they're pay- oh, it was paying my wife's salary. So it was great. So we, you know, we could buy a new sofa and all that, but that's not what I was, what I fell in love with. What I fell in love with is when I got to boardroom that, you know, you'd mail, you know, a hundred thousand names and you'd get this response rate and you got this much money in and you started looking at the lifetime value or the, the second year, um, uh, value, like in renewal rates of the subscribers. And you figure out how much can I afford to spend in year one to make it back in year two and totally invest in my business by being a slave to the numbers. And that's when I fell in love with it, which was almost immediately. And the irony is I was an English major, had a business minor, hated math, hated statistics, <laughs> hated numbers. And yet I became a slave to numbers my entire career. And even today, you know, even though I can't do, I mean, I am no spreadsheet jock. I, I can't do any of that stuff. But my whole career at Boardroom, I surrounded myself with people that were just amazing at plugging in the numbers, getting me the results, giving me dashboard reports that I could read so that I could make my marketing decisions based on real data. So I fell in love very, very quickly with the idea of, I'm not gonna spend on advertising until I know if it pays out, I'm gonna know exactly how much it pays out by, and then I'm also gonna figure out if it's not good enough or it's close, I'm going to go and beat it. And we can talk about, we're going to talk later about creative and copywriting and yes. list selection and all of those good things because the beauty of direct marketing is not just the measurable response and the reading of it, but it's also, I have this expression, the control is your enemy and the control being the winning package or the winning promotion. And as soon as you get a winner, you figure out how to beat it. Yep. And you can, and you know if you beat it because you get the numbers. So this perpetuating uh, cycle of, learning and relearning and, you know, 
being bettering your best, as it were, is something that, you know, is so ingrained. And I didn't know in college that that's what I was going to fall in love with. But boy, it did not take long at all. And it's been like a, you know, a romance of 35 years with direct response marketing. Wow. And that's what brought you to Titans Marketing, where you could actually... I guess. I mean, we got we got a 34-year gap in there uh, that we should probably just mention. Yes, please. Um, it wasn't that long. It's only 34 years. Only, only 34 uh, years. Only 34 years. And I started when I was nine, if you're doing the math of how old I am. Um, so, you know, when I got to boardroom in 1981, um, in fact, my first day was the day Reagan was shot. You probably have people on your, who are listening here saying Reagan, who, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, Ronald Reagan was the president at the time and he it was an assassination attempt. So that was my first day at boardroom, March 30th, 1981. So, um, the, the 34 year ride was a ride of employee to, marketing director to intrapreneur. And when I say intrapreneur, the company was entrepreneurial, started by a guy named Marty Edelston, who became my mentor, a second dad. And, you know, once I became a partner in the business, once I became an equity partner in the business, you know, I didn't have to start the thing from scratch. I know you got people listening here saying, you know, if they're looking for me to teach them how to do bootstrap startup, I can tell them what I did after I left boardroom, which is what I'm doing now. But I don't see myself as the bootstrap entrepreneur guy. I see myself as the guy that knows how to scale a direct marketing business. And when I got there in 1981, it was a $5 million business. We did get to a height of around 160 million in the mid 2000s. I did not do that all on my own. Um, Marty and I were true partners in it. We had an amazing staff. We just had just the, the best direct marketers I could find. I, I've hired some of the best. They all stuck with me for you know, most of them well over 10 years. And I had at least, you know, my key people were all with me for 15 to 20 years minimum. And so we just built this incredible, I say factory, because not a sweatshop, but, but a, a factory that was just a direct, it was a direct mail university, direct marketing university, um, starting in direct mail, moving into all media, TV, radio, uh, space advertising, Obviously, online, email marketing, um, all e-commerce, everything you can imagine. And that's also where I learned to become multi-channel. And so I'm, I just did 34 years in about two minutes. But um, awesome. when I got to the point where I thought I might want to buy the company and continue to run it or go out on my own and create a direct marketing education business based on all I had learned over 34 years. And it wasn't just building boardroom. It was 34 years of reading, of being in mastermind groups, of working with the best direct marketers as who were my consultants, my copywriters. You know, I was so privileged to have worked with probably the best copywriters who've ever lived during my lifetime anyway, the ones that were alive, because uh, I work with all of them. We had an incredible budget for copy. So I got to work with the best of the best. And so when I decided to do this this uh, Titans thing, I, I did an event in 2014 called the Titans of Direct Response. And notice I used the word direct response as opposed to direct marketing, because at that point, by 2014, people were sort of say, thinking that direct marketing, all that meant was direct mail. Right. Now, direct marketing doesn't mean direct mail, but by saying direct response or direct response marketing... I could get them off this idea that I was just a direct mail guy and also get them off the idea that they should just be an internet person. Because, you know, the people who say I'm an internet marketer, I think are making a huge mistake, just like I would have made a mistake if I said I was a direct mail marketer, because why would you want to define yourself by a channel, a marketing channel? Why would you want to define yourself by one thing when you can basically be a direct marketer be a direct response marketer and exist in any channel that would work for you, whether it's email, whether it's online uh, display advertising, whether it's Facebook, whether it's direct mail, whether it's radio, whether it's TV, whether it's space, whether it's package inserts. So all of those things I was obsessed with. I'm, I'm obsessed with this whole idea that, you know, anybody who doesn't think multi-channel in their business is making a huge mistake for a variety of reasons. I mean, the most simple analogy I can draw is that we wouldn't put all our money 
in, in our life in one stock. I hope not anyway. Or we wouldn't even put it all in the stock market. We would diversify stocks, bonds, cash, you know, investing in a sports bar. Bad idea because I did that. Um, <laughs> you know, the idea that you want to diversify your money as much as possible. Why wouldn't you want to diversify your media choices? And today it's even more critical because how many people do we both know, Summer, that were 100% on Facebook or 100% on Google or 100% of their business was, was through Amazon and the bigger, the bigger brother in the relationship, whether it was Google, whether it was Facebook or whether it was Amazon, because they're Facebook, Google and Amazon and you're not. And they shut you down because they feel like it or because they don't like your advertising or they don't like something you're doing. And you're dealing with robots to try to get back online in some way, That's and you're out of business. Right. Yep. I've heard, you know, the horror stories. We we both have. Oh, we have. Um, yes. So th I think that was sort of the biggest impetus for me to start Titans Marketing, to start a direct marketing education company, and to bring together the best direct, direct response marketers I could find who were totally committed to multi-channel marketing and scaling that way. And so I've got, you know, where it led to was I, right now I have, I run two mastermind groups. Uh, one is for, you know, very high end direct response marketers, mostly eight figure businesses, um, some nine figure that are just committed. And most of them do a lot. Of, you know, I would say the majority of things that they're doing are online. So it's not like we're, you know, trying to push the offline. But we get guest speakers in all categories and we get, you know, uh, people coming to the event, people presenting at the events that I do, the, the mastermind meetings on all media. And so that became sort of my obsession for the work first group. Then what happened was with Titans Marketing was that I had a lot of people on my list where I blog and a lot of people who were following me, which I was flattered by. I didn't realize I had that many followers, not that I deserved it, it just happened that way. And I found all these people that wanted to learn from me. And a lot of them were young, which was so satisfying, you know, that to have a lot of 25 to 40 year olds who wanted to hear from the dinosaur who knew direct mail, but didn't give up when the internet came around. Right. Because a lot of the people I grew up with in direct mail are either retired or dead, or they're dead figuratively, literally, it doesn't matter. They just gave up because the internet was too overwhelming for them. And I went the other way. I just started educating myself using the looking at the Internet as the ultimate direct response medium. Um, so this second group got formed called Titans Master Class. And what I'm trying to do there is to like train the next generation of great direct marketers who are probably 100 percent online. They probably have never really thought about the whole process of list segmentation and and creative and offers all together because they've been spoiled. They've been able to get online fairly inexpensively. Um, I always say, you know, paying postage in direct mail made me a better marketer because I had to think about things a lot more before I spent on my marketing, my marketing dollars. And so I'm really committed to this sort of next generation like where are the next generation of great copywriters are going to come from? Where's the next generation of great multi-channel marketers going to come from? And frankly, you know, I've got coaches and mentors telling me like Jay Abraham and, and Ken McCarthy and just all my buddies that I've grown up with. They say, look, Brian, you know, it's almost like your moral responsibility to train this next generation, not because you're smarter than them, but because you could take the knowledge that you've accumulated over 35 years. And again, the difference is 35 years experience, not one year's experience for 35 years. Right. But be right. able to take that 35 years experience and then apply it to everything that I think is state of the art today. And that's why I follow like all, you know, I, I look for the people who I think are the smartest online marketers like Russell Brunson and Ryan Levesque and Ryan Dice and Todd Brown and, you know, many, many others, because I say, OK, those are the guys, Stu McLaren. I'm just I, I can I can just go on and on. But I, I just follow these people and hopefully they'll let me in the door in whatever groups they're in and whatever, you know, interchange I could have with them. And then if I can bring something to the table, I benefit by learning from them. Then I bring all of that knowledge to my mastermind groups plus what I know. And it's it's kind of like a whole one plus one equals three thing. So 
I'm very excited about the whole Titans marketing thing because when I did a bit, the big event back in 2014 before I left boardroom, which was a tribute to Marty Edelston, who had passed away in 2013, I brought together the best direct marketers in the world at that event. And so it was a great springboard to developing this entire business around both getting the best direct response marketers together to exchange ideas, multi-channel, that's Titans Mastermind. And then to also create a group that's the next generation, which is Titans Masterclass. And then to that end, you know, I want to write books, I want to create courses, um, and everything kind of revolves around those two groups and then kind of being this, uh, I don't know, shepherd of direct response knowledge um, that hopefully I can be of use uh, until I'm no longer of use. So earlier you were talking about, you know, these 35 years of reading, masterminds, obviously the experience of, of running a company. What are some of those, who are some of the authors and the, the masters that you've learned from that still today, their, their strategies and their techniques and their philosophies still work? Wow. So, I mean, the, so the, the book I just wrote called The Advertising Solution profiles six legends who I guess a lot of them would be looked at as madmen, meaning, you know, the, I don't know if anybody, everybody has seen the show, but the show Mad Men is about the advertising industry in the 50s and 60s, which was all about general advertising, all the stuff that kind of what I say gives me hives because it's not measurable like direct marketing. But the thing that I realize is when you study some of these madmen and the six that we study in my book, but I can also rattle off another 20 or 30 people that yeah. I've studied. But the six in my book and the six in my book are David Ogilvy, kind of the father of, of, of advertising, Claude Hopkins, who wrote Scientific Advertising in 1923. The book's 100% relevant today. Gene Schwartz, who wrote Breakthrough Advertising, which I'm republishing, one of the greatest copywriters who ever lived. Gary Halbert, also one of the greatest copywriters who ever lived. Um, uh, Robert Collier, who wrote The Letter Book, which was kind of the first book about how to write sales letters. Uh, John Caples, Tested Advertising Methods, who was the father of modern testing. Um, these these six guys, did I get all six? Ogilvy, you got Hopkins. all six of them, yeah. I got all six. So those six guys... Basically, if you d dive deep into all of their work, they were actually general advertisers, but they were actually direct marketers in general advertisers' clothing mm. because they really understood measurable advertising. In fact, you know, scientific advertising written in 1923 by Claude Hopkins is really talking about advertising that, that might have an ROI, a return on investment. So, you know, studying these guys and then you say, well, in an era, it's sort of like studying you know, how did, how did, you know, how did the Egyptians build the pyramids without cranes? Or, you know, I did a blog post about, you know, email marketing secrets from the 12th century when I went to visit Notre Dame in the Cathedral de Notre Dame in, in Paris. Like, how do they build that thing without modern equipment? And so when you can look at sort of the basics, and I, and, and I, I talk about this a lot, I had a, I had a lengthy conversation, interviews with lengthy interviews with both Perry Marshall and Jay Abraham about this. And it's really important to go to the source of things and, and not because you want to go take a stroll down memory lane. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about here. Right. But if you can see where things originate, you're going to be able to ask questions in the current environment that your competitors won't and the people who haven't studied this stuff won't. One quick example that just came up fairly recently, I was doing a podcast like this for someone and we we're talking about my book. And for some reason, we got into the discussion of direct mail and everything gold is new again. And there's a lot of online marketers who want to learn how to do direct mail and all of that. And so this guy in this interviewer was just really interested in what what I did in the in the area of list segmentation and modeling. Um, where we used to mail, you know, 100 million pieces of direct mail a year, and it would be statistically modeled through these very sophisticated modeling systems that where you would mail a segment of your list, you would look at the responses, and then look at all the data that you have on those responses, because there are already names on your list, and then match them 
to the other names that you have on your file to see what they might look like, you know, and what the response predictions you can make. And it's called regression modeling. It's a very sophisticated technique. So I got into some of the nitty gritty on that without getting too crazy and we're diving pretty deep. And I, I couldn't believe he took me down this road, but that's what he wanted. That's what he was asking me about. So anyway, the, then the guy posts the interview on, on Facebook and with a link and someone who I think is a pretty savvy online marketer kind of does a post again. And I only know because he mentioned my name. He goes, he said, I just listened to this interview with Brian Kurtz and he's talking about this modeling. And I never thought that I, I thought Facebook invented lookalike models. <laughs> and so, and I'm not, I'm not really criticizing him for saying that. So don't, don't take it. No, that I'm laughing because it's so ironic. Like that's so, yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like going to chide him about it, but I said, I love that you said that because yeah. now I've got like a, uh, I've got a focal point for speeches I've given, you know, the idea of Facebook didn't invent everything. And so if you're an online marketer and you think Facebook invented everything, you're nuts. Now think of it this way though. If you understood the concepts that I was talking about in regression modeling and how we actually did our list selection and list segmentation, think of the questions you could ask your media buyer for Facebook or anything. And I, and I bring it up, you know, there's a real live example that my buddy, Ryan Levesque, who's amazing, you know, he wrote the book Ask and he has these survey funnels and he's brilliant. And what Ryan Levesque is doing is, is like putting list segmentation and creating different copy approaches to different segments of your list. He's putting that on steroids because you can do it online in real time. Whereas in direct mail, it took me way more time, a lot more money. And it was no, it wasn't the same slam dunk because I could lose my shirt before I figured out what worked. Whereas online, you can do it quickly. However, if you understood the concepts behind it, think of the, the, the stuff that you could do quicker using those kinds of techniques. So again, understanding those fundamentals. I know you asked me about who I learned from and I gave you those six, but there's another guy, Gordon Grossman who wrote a book, um, but he was a consultant of mine when I was at Boardroom for many, many years. Gordon Grossman built the Reader's Digest in the 1960s. Now there are people listening that didn't know Ronald Reagan and don't know what Reader's Digest is. But Reader's Digest was probably the, the number one direct marketer in the 60s and 70s. They basically invented the sweepstakes. Um, you know, Publishers Clearinghouse and all that stuff. And then yeah. today, Groupon and or anything that you see that's contest or sweepstakes driven owes a debt of gratitude to Reader's Digest and to Gordon Grossman. So Gordon was my consultant, helping me work through a lot of different direct mail stuff. And so Gordon was a, a, a slave to this whole idea of intense regression modeling, segmentation. I mean, and then my other mentor, Dick Benson, who was the father of one of the smartest guy ever lived on direct mail, he and I used to just, you know, talk about the importance of list and, you know, that people don't, they, they underestimate um, list and they think, you know, offer or the technology is as important and it's not, you know, your list is the most important. And even though I'm a slave to great creative and copy, and you can appreciate this, because I know you're a great copywriter yourself, that you could write the best copy you ever wrote ever, Summer. And if it goes to a list that's not interested, you're never going to make one sale. Exactly. But if you have a perfect list with mediocre copy, not that you would ever write mediocre copy, you're actually going to make some money. And then if you take world-class copy that you would write and put it against the right list with a good offer, a killer offer, now you got everything cooking on steroids there. Yeah. So that's the kind of fundamentals that I learned from people like Gene Schwartz, from Gary Halbert, from... Dick Benson, Gordon Grossman, from reading the other people I profiled in my book who I did not meet. I mean, Gene Schwartz is one of the six in my book. He was also my mentor, one of my mentors in copywriting. But I didn't meet, you know, um, uh, contrary to popular belief, Claude Hopkins died in 1934. And no, I was not alive then. So, <laughs> so let's let's talk about copy for a bit if we can. Having, like you said, you can have you can have a list of a million, you can have a list of a couple thousand. It, 
it really matters, you know, who's, is that list interested, knowing who you're talking to, and of course, what you're going to put out to them. Now, some people go at it at their own, maybe with no, you know, experience writing copy. Um, And some of them turn out to be like the best, you know, writers for their audience, because it's not even about, you know, am I, am I saying this correctly? Am I doing this right? It's really, they're telling the story and they, they, they're sharing themselves. And so it can work. And then they start to fine tune along the way when they realize, you know, based on their own measuring what's working, what's not working. So before we get into, you know, some, some tips and secrets on, on really good creative copy, how does one go about if they're like, you know, I can't do this. How do you find a really good copywriter? Because today, you know, you and I know the world where people, really good copywriters get paid good money because it's like so critical. But today right. there's so many freelancers. There's so many like different, you know, hey, $5 and I'll write you this. And, you know, 300 yeah. bucks, I'll do a 10 page sales letter. And it's like, ooh, and you get it. And it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, let me unpack this a little bit. So I'll go a couple of different directions. First of all, I think you were hitting on something really, really critical, which is, in many cases, and not always, but certainly with solopreneurs who are working in their passion, working in something that they love and that they can't, I, I did a workshop recently for a lot of people, for a, a group uh, that Jeff Walker teaches in, in online launches called Launch Club. And the title of my, my presentation, my, 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 um, my workshop was, you are your best copywriter. And what I meant by that is that if you are really working in your passion, you're really working in the thing that you know better than anybody, you are your best copywriter. Now, that doesn't mean you have to write the copy yourself. So finding a great copywriter might just be someone who really knows how to interview you in a way to get the best things out of you. There are so many stories of copywriter slash client relationships that I can tell you from some of the best copywriters and some of the most famous marketers of all time where the copywriter will tell you that I didn't write that. I interviewed my client. They told me what, what was, what were, what was the unique selling proposition of their offer or their service. They told me the language that their audience uses. And I just, you know, basically recorded it, transcribed it, and then spit it right back to them. And it became the best copy that I, that could have been written. So I, I'm not getting, I didn't get to the point yet about finding no, that but that is such a, life. that is such a great point. And I, you know, I'm with you. I had this, you know, the same thing when interviewing clients, you know, and just pulling all that from them. it's their, it's their material. And I was a ghostwriter too. So it was the same thing. It's still their genius, their stories, their expertise that they've lived. Correct. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. So it's all, so it's all there, you know, as the copywriter, you need to pull that out. And so I wrote something, I wrote another uh, blog post about, which I don't know if you do show notes, but we can, we yes, can share Yes, we do. It. We do. Um, so it was, a, I think the title of it was, you may not know it when you see it. And then, you know, I started the, the blog post with, you know, they always say pornography, you'll know it when you see it. Right. Um, I said a good copywriter, you may not know it when you see it. And so what I did in this article, in this blog post, and it's, it's a speech I've given and something I've really developed over time is I, I took all the great copywriters I ever worked with. Like these are the best copywriters who've ever lived. And I started thinking about what was part of their personality? What was part of who they were that was consistent in almost every one of them? And I found some stuff. I found seven things. I don't know if I can rattle them off off the top of my head, but I'll give you some of them. One of them, we can, we can give this blog post to your, to your listeners. But one of them was, you know, their hunger. You know, are they hungry in that particular topic? Um, um, another one was... Um, you know, the, the power of specialization, are they willing to take a deep dive into that topic? So let's say the marketer is, is a health marketer that specializes in uh, products to help people uh, with their type two diabetes. If the copywriter has spent all that time taking a deep dive into health, that health market, think of the power of being niche, you know, uh, uh, in a niche versus trying to be all things to all people in the health market. So I always recommend, you know, going to copywriters who are more niche as opposed to someone who says they can write for any topic on anything because chances are they can't and they won't be as good. I mean, another thing that's a big thing that you need to find in every great copywriter is curiosity. 
Yes. You know, and I'm talking about curiosity at a whole nother level. I mean, I'm curious, you're curious, you're more than I am because you're a copywriter. But the kinds of questions that a great copywriter is going to ask and pull out is so much different. Another one is is um, knowledge of direct marketing concepts. Like there are copywriters that, you know, they learn some of the craft of how to write and construct certain templates that might work in certain promotions, whether it's a video sales letter, whether it's a email, whether it's a direct mail letter, a direct mail, you know, a sales letter. And they're not really taking into account um, direct marketing concepts of, you know, how am I going to create the most lifetime value with this audience by using keywords that the audience uses? And so, or how am I going to tie in basic direct marketing concept like RFM? which I'm sure no one who's listening here knows what RFM is. And yet it's probably the most important concept that every direct marketer needs to know, which is recency, frequency, and monetary value. I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> yeah, so, so as a copywriter, if I understand the list makeup that I'm going to in terms of recency, frequency, monetary, and I'll give you an example. Someone who responded recently is more apt to respond again, whereas someone who hasn't responded in a long time would have a different, you want a different approach in that copy. For example, you know, someone who hasn't responded in a while, but used to, used to subscribe or buy your product, you know, a whole approach of we want you back would work better than someone who just responded, who of course, you know, how many online marketers are going to tell you about how they cross sell and upsell, and that copy needs to speak to their recent purchase. Um, frequency. If I have somebody who's frequently bought from me and has, has bought 16 of my products instead of two, I'm going to talk to that person a lot differently because they're like family. I should invite them for dinner for yeah. God's sake. Um, and then monetary, obviously someone who spends more money with me should be treated much more like a VIP. Not to say that the people who spend less money should be treated like garbage, but you have to use different copy approaches to that audience. So that's just one example of understanding a direct marketing concept like RFM that every copywriter should know. So I gave you like the gist of what's in that article, but let me go now to your other question about where do I find a good copywriter? I've done a lot of blog posts about this because I get at least two or three calls or emails a week. Hey, Brian, I hear you know a lot of copywriters. Can you find me one? And I just don't think that's the right question. The real question is my market is X. I need a copywriter who has a passion for X. Um, I want someone who's written in these categories because it might be related. I'll give you an example. I have a guy in one of my mastermind groups who has a product teaching people how to do, how to become artists. Well, I might not be able to find a copywriter who knows art, but I might be able to find a copywriter who's done a music offer or a music course. Now, at least I'm close, right? I'm, I'm getting into that mindset of someone who understands artists, understands people who want to bring art into their personal life, and then they could write in that way. And then even better, if that copywriter is an artist or, or musician themselves, even better. So I think that there's, and, and I'm working hard at this. Now, that's why I have my Titans Masterclass, for example, because I'm bringing copywriters into that group in addition to marketers to kind of not be a matchmaker, but I guess to be a matchmaker, but I want to match up people, you know, that are like-minded. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working closely with a friend of mine, Kevin Rogers, who has a, Love a, Kevin. a, a oh, Kevin's awesome. And Kevin and I want to do a live event together. He has something called copy chief and copy yeah. chief yeah. is a coaching program for copywriters. And he and I are saying, you know what, on the one hand, we don't want to be headhunters for copywriters. On the other hand, if no one else is going to do it, we got to figure out how to do it. Because this idea that, you know, any writer can write for anybody is nuts. And so that's kind of a real passion of mine. I've written a lot about this. I've written blog posts. I wrote one called The Next Million Dollar Copywriter. And it's really about copywriters not being a hired gun, one size fits all. I can write for health. I can write for finance. I can write for musicians. I can write for B2B or internet, you know, uh, internet marketing selling, um, as opposed to, you know, maybe working for one or two clients in a niche and just like being the best in that niche. And, you know, this is true 
just in life in general. Because when I go to beginner direct marketers, I just I, not just beginners. I went. I spoke in Hungary, oh, in wow. Budapest, Hungary, to a group of Hungarian entrepreneurs, which sounds like an it sounds like an oxymoron <laughs> because that's a country that was communist until 1989. So true, yeah. And so I'm in front of them, and I'm like. Imagine teaching marketing to these people. So basically, the, I just got real basic with them. First, I got them to understand marketing's not evil. You know that, that that getting your stuff out to the world is a really good thing. But the most important thing after that that I taught taught them was specialization is everything, and it's much better to own a niche than try to own the world. And there are so many people, and I see this in, with experienced marketers and beginners alike. The biggest mistake they make is trying to be too broad too quickly. Yeah. Why not own a niche? Why not be so specialized? You know, I just I just fall in love with marketers who niche and then niche some more and niche even more and their first product is so targeted and so tight that they can just own that. And then once you own that, there's more than enough time to go broad. And those are the kinds of copywriters I want too. You know, and if I was looking for a copywriter for my business, I want to find people who are at least super passionate about the subject area that I'm working in. So that's like a real passion of mine to kind of do this matchmaking where, you know, we're not just throwing writers. I mean, so many people who ask me that question, can you find me a good copywriter? It's like, oh, I could throw you a bunch of names, but I don't think that's the best use of your time or my time to kind of you know, kiss a lot of frogs. It just doesn't make sense. Totally agree. So for those, those listening that are writing their own copy, um, or something that they would share with a copywriter they're, they're working with now, what are some of the greatest secrets? Um, if they're even secrets, um, that you can share with us that you just think are critical, like your, your top four that are just really critical to writing great copy. And I know you kind of shared some with, with what we were just talking about, but. Yeah. So I think one of the most critical is, you know, really understanding your audience, understanding the language that they use. You know, most copywriters I know, if they're writing for a particular audience, they want to know every list that, that that's ever been mailed, every audience that's ever been sold that product. They want to know, what forums those people hang out in. They go, they go to those forums and look at the language that they use in those forums. They go to Amazon and find out all the books that they read and then see the reviews and look at the language that they use in the reviews. You can, you can get all those copy. The idea is if you write above your audience or below your audience, you're dead either yep. way. And so you've got to write to their language. You know, Gene Schwartz, one of the greatest copywriters who was a mentor and, a, and he profiled, he used to say, you know, there is your audience, there is the language that they use, and you've got to get to that. I mean, I believe that it's why Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Donald yeah. Trump understood his core base, who will love him no matter what, he understood the language that they use. Who I, I, wrote, I wrote a blog post called uh, The Wall with a Door. Who doesn't understand I'm going to build a wall and I'm going to put a door in it? And he knew everybody in his, in his core audience would understand that message. And if he tried to make that way more complicated in terms of immigration reform, he was going to lose yeah. his core audience. And Jeb Bush did just that. Yeah. You know, Jeb Bush got into such detail on immigration reform that if you watch the debates when they talked about that issue, I understood every word Donald Trump said. I didn't understand half of what Jeb Bush was saying. Yeah. And I'm pretty educated, too. So I think that knowing your audience, that, that's the biggest one. Then the other thing is that as a copywriter, one size does not fit all. So the idea of having multiple messages for different segments of the list. So there's no such thing. That's why you have to understand lists if you're a copywriter. So if you understand that a list could be four different demographics, it could be former customers, current customers, current customers who spent a certain amount with me and customers who, who once canceled and then came back or whatever. Each one of those, even if the basic offer might be the same that you'll make to them, I think it's critical to at least buffer each of those packages or each of those promotions 
with something that speaks to them and the relationship that you have with them. So that's beyond just the recency frequency. Then I think one of the other big tips I would give is that learn how to write what I call fascination bullets. Learn, it's a, it's, it's, it's a technique. Oh, I love these. Yes. I'm so glad you're going to share yeah, this. Yeah. And, it, and it's in my book and, 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 and it's what Gene Schwartz taught. It's what uh, a lot of copywriters today teach that, you know, I think you said something like, you know, whatever the, the intro you were, you did for me for this show, you didn't do it in advance. You did it based on what we talked about. Right. That is exactly what I'm talking about. That, um, Gene Schwartz had a, had a quote. He said, I don't write copy. I assemble copy. And what he meant by that is that he took the product he was writing about and figured out what was in between the lines that wasn't there. And he actually used to go back to us as a client and said, hey, Brian, your book's really good. I can write these sort of fascinations, bullet points that will answer thing that will be answered by things in the book. But you know what? I just figured out all the stuff that's not in the book that could be in the book that would make the book even better. So he would like force us as editors of books to actually add content that he felt he could write more gripping and and exciting copy. And it's because he could come up with the fascination bullet. You know, yes. he would want to come up with the bullet that says the one food you should never eat if you're prone to gas, I, mean, I just made that up. Right. And by the way, Brian, that's something everybody wants to know. It's not in your book. Can you go get your editor to go find me that information, please? And this is so, I, and I love that you're saying this because this was, this was my process when I was writing sales letter, writing copy, even, even writing books is getting it all out, you know, just brainstorming, writing the whole experience. And then something comes out of that, that you go, wow, that wasn't even in the plan. And it's all the way at the end too, by the way, I'm going to bring right. that right up to the top. It's, and it's, it's so, so true. I love that. And the fascination bullets, we are all, we've all experienced, we all know this. It's those, it's those little bullets that make you go, okay, I need to know more now. I need to keep going. Yeah. It's, it's just, um, you know, again, I'm not, and I'm not a copywriter. I just, I just have seen how the best ones work and, and, and understand I understand it. Yeah. I marvel. Yeah. I marvel at it too. I marvel at it. So you, you mentioned a few blog posts. I want to make sure our listeners can go, we're going to post these as well in our show notes. Um, and in the blog post for, for this interview, but, um, whoever's listening right now wants to go grab it. Where can they find these, these blog posts of yours? Yeah. And they can do, there's a search bar there so they could put in, you know, copywriter or they could put in, um, you know, uh, uh, curiosity and probably find, you know, all this stuff. So, um, so I have a, I, I'd love people to opt into my list and then they would get my blog every Sunday. Um, and, and that they could get to my, uh, on my list by, and we talked about my book a little bit. Um, I don't make any money on the book. I just, it, but I do have a, a site set up at the legendsbook.com and at the legendsbook.com, they go there and they hit a button. They can go buy the book for 12 bucks on Amazon they come back with their receipt and then what they get is a download of like the greatest ads that were ever written by the six guys in my book, like a swipe file. Oh, that's that's so all cool. free. And then I've got videos of three of them. One of them is uh, David Ogilvy on the David Letterman show. Um, one is Gary Halbert presenting on copy. It's, it's just brilliant stuff. And there's also a, a PDF of scientific advertising by Claude Hopkins, which is an illustrated and annotated version. So if they go to thelegendsbook.com, they opt in, then they're on my list, and then they get all these freebies, and then you'll get my blogs regularly. If you want a shortcut and you don't want to go on my list and you hate me at this point, but you want to read some stuff, <laughs> um, you can get to my blog page by going to briankurtz.me, briankurtz.me slash blog. And um, briankurtz.me is also a squeeze page to get on my list like thelegendsbook.com is. Um, but why not buy the book for 12 bucks? Again, I don't make anything, but I'd love to have all of your listeners on my list. It, the book is, I mean, it's like one of those books you're going to read, you know, in, in one sitting because it's so intriguing. And the thing about it is that it is like, when you say it's a shortcut, it is a shortcut. I mean, it is like, there are so many testimonials on this thing from like amazing, amazing marketers. Um, it's just, it's like, we could talk here forever 
and I would love to, (laughs) but, but I mean, there's just, I mean, you know, the psychology that sells secrets of writing great copy. Um, there's just like tons and tons of things, how to test your list, how to boost your response, all about like creativity. And of course, like this is all coming from those six legends and it really is taking like the best of what you, you need to know. So if you're going to like spend some time really learning direct response and marketing and advertising, like this book is so awesome. And I actually have a personally signed copy from you. Oh, cool. Which is super awesome. It's actually worth <laughs> less now. It's worth <laughs> less. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm excited about it. And I'm so stoked that you were on the show today, Brian. Like this is just like such great, great stuff. And it's actually like really simple too. And I, I just really love that we got to talk about these concepts. A lot of people think like, these concepts from so many years ago just don't work today. And that whole, that whole lookalikes is just kind of nails it. You know what I mean? It's like, look at all of these. I mean, look at retargeting and with Facebook, look at all the kinds of things that you are doing today. And especially if you read this book, The Advertising Solution, you're going to see how it all works into technology today to all the online marketing you're doing and how still the offline marketing really works. So, yeah, it still does work. I mean, yeah. I, I apologize for, you know, being like all over the place on tangents and all that. I mean, to try to, you know, distill 35 years into an hour is really hard. Although my kids say that when I tell them I always try to distill 35 years into an hour, they always say that's about 50 minutes too long. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but I, you know, I, I, I'm just so passionate about the business and, and what I've learned and, what I'm still learning every day. I'm, 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 I'll be a student till the day I die. And I'm just so excited about where the world is going. It's the most exciting time ever to be a marketer because of the technology and the tools we have available. But if you can apply a lot of great fundamentals to it, you'll be that much better at it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you are proof of that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brian. This is fabulous. Okay, well, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.